welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Good morning, friends. Let's begin with prayer. Father, today we gather together for our second sermon in the series of uh, prayer, Lord. Today we're going to talk about the topic of confession. So be with us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Max Lucado writes, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Where are you at in life? What are you experiencing? Joy? Harmony? Struggle? Guilt? You know, when we, when we think of the term confession, I think some of us perhaps maybe our skin crawls back a little bit because we feel this sense of apprehension, maybe guilt that of something or regret that we experienced years ago. Or perhaps we know that we need to perhaps make amends with either God or with someone else. Today we're going to go and dive deep into a couple of stories, uh, primarily in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18 and 19. One of them we've kind of touched base on a little bit before, but it's good to go back. But today, our first story, I want to go to Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus was with uh, uh, the crowd, and there were some of them, as Jesus points, uh, or as, as Luke points out, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, people who lacked humility. So, Jesus continues, two men went up to pray at the temple, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Have you ever experienced someone who made you feel so inferior Perhaps by the way that they looked at you or the tone of their voice, a condescending tone. Sometimes you don't even need to hear anybody say anything. You can tell when they are judging you. He then continues, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector who stood at a distance, he wouldn't even look up to heaven. But beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went away, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Another one of Jesus' famous sayings is pride, or, well, sorry, uh, Proverb is, uh, pride goes before the fall. How many times have we perhaps made a declaration 
thinking that we had so much confidence, so much pride that we could accomplish and get it done all for it to fall apart and blow up in our face. And this Pharisee, a man who's who was set apart, supposed to be noble, noble, supposed to be strong, supposed to know scripture, supposed to be extremely humble. And in this story, he it's the complete antithesis. He lacks humility. If anything, his arrogance is showing, it's shining through. Whereas on the opposite side, a tax collector, a sinner, sometimes tax collectors would also be called publicans, but a man who was perhaps a social outcast, wasn't well received in the community. In fact, he was uh, kind of like a third party emissary that the the uh, governing body, also known as the Roman Empire at the time, would use to go around and collect taxes for the government. And so at this time, more than likely, they've probably gone up to the temple, the time of atonement where there would be a sacrifice and, and they would pray. They both stood off from each other and more than likely even the, the the Pharisee as well. It wasn't uncommon for people to stand at that time to pray. But the the Pharisee is very vocal in, in what he thinks and what he believes. And so here the pattern of prayer is this. The Pharisee chooses to actually focus on himself and not the merits of God. He focuses on himself and lists his accomplishments. Of, he fasts twice a week, goes way beyond more than was necessary, and he also gives a tenth from all that he gets. So, you know, he's a good, uh, faithful tithe uh, payer, but yet his arrogance shining through. But the tax collector prays as if he is the worst sinner on earth, much like a, another uh, writer of the Bible, Paul, as well. He considered himself the chief among all sinners. So he's actually in good company. Two contrasting styles, styles, arrogance, humility, how we approach God. And yet we also know that truly to know God is to be in relationship to God. Imagine praying and enlisting all of your great accomplishments to God. And yet we have to be reminded that it's not we who save ourselves. It's God. God's love, God's grace, God's faithfulness. And especially at this time, where it's the time of atonement, it's a clear recognition and a reminder that it's not us that who saves ourselves, but God. One of the strongest lessons that we can we can take from this is we have to be mindful of our, our own views and how easy it is for us to fall into the trap of judging one another. In fact, even while we can clearly read this story, it's plain as day, hindsight is twenty twenty. we often think, well, I can't be that tax collector. It's so ridiculous. But yet, how often do we look around and think, hey, I'm a little bit better. I, at least I accomplished this. At least I'm not like that person. Perception. We should be per, we should be cautious of our perceived views. I think it's easy for us to think uh, that we we thank God 
that we're not like that Pharisee and yet how often we sometimes have a little arrogance to ourselves. God does not call us to arrogance, but to humility. The second story that I want to touch base on is, is the, the story of Zacchaeus. Now we talked about Zacchaeus a little bit last year. For those who don't know who Zacchaeus was, Zacchaeus was also a tax collector, but not just any tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. He had a little bit of leadership in this, in this little, uh, uh, enterprise. And so Jesus, he enters Jericho and he was passing through and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was not only a tax collector, but in verse two, he also says it was, he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. So, so Zacchaeus, he seeks Jesus out, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. And so many of us have probably heard uh, or, and saying the story of Zacchaeus, how he was a short little man and he, he climbs a tree. Climbs a sycamore tree. He couldn't see over the crowd, so he he climbs a sycamore slash fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, and when Jesus, he reaches a spot, he looks up and says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. All of a sudden, some people in the crowd are thinking, dude, what is Jesus doing? Why is he inviting himself to go to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus, that Zacchaeus. We know who Zacchaeus is. That tax collector, that traitor from our, amongst our people. So he comes down and yet Zacchaeus welcomes him gladly into his house. He's a changed man. I don't know all that much about Zacchaeus. But what I do know is in the story that his life was altered this day. Jesus, when he talked to him, somehow pierced his heart and he, he was a changed man. All of the people in verse seven begin to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Again, much like the Pharisee as well, judging. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, get this, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Can you imagine that? Zacchaeus must have had a lot of money. In order for him to be able to earn that money, more than likely he would have asked for what was necessary to give back to the government and add a little little bit extra just to kind of extort the people because he had to make a living too. And I think that sometimes where you get an inch, you sometimes can get greedy. And in this case, Zacchaeus, he must have done very well for himself to grab a lot of money. So there's all of this animosity. And yet here he's convicted by Jesus' presence of of wanting to go to his house. He welcomes him in. And after he says all of this, Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man, and he was an Israelite because he indicates he's a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. I'm so grateful that we have a God who seeks us out. Two people, both seeking each other. Jesus, 
who comes to seek and save the lost. And in going through Jericho, he goes and he meets a man, Zacchaeus, who we all famously know. Zacchaeus had to have some yearning in his heart to want to make a change in his life. So much so that he, 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 you know, quite uncomfortably and probably shamed himself for having to climb in a tree. Can you admit to wanting to do that? To making up for your insecurities? These kinds of things can cause us to fall back and to hide and be fearful. But at some point, Zacchaeus didn't care anymore. He wanted to change his life and turn it around. And so the beautiful thing is two people, Jesus, Zacchaeus, coming together and a life was changed. I don't know where you're at. Perhaps in life you're doing well. And for others, though, however, we're perhaps drowning in pain and sorrow and guilt. And you want to make a change in your life. You want to come to God. And for some, that might be difficult because we feel like we're not ready yet or I'm not good enough. There will never be a point where you're going to realize you are good enough. And the beautiful thing is that God takes us where we are at. Whether we're large or we're, we're vertically challenged to where we think we are good and arrogant, yet we are humble. God loves God's children. And if we can come with humility to the Lord and confess where we are wrong and admit the fact that, God, I need you in my life. The Lord wants to make an awesome change and difference and to be with you, to guide you, and to walk with you throughout all of life and to spend time, the beautiful thing, later on with eternity. So what are some lessons that we can we can take from this these two stories? Number one, when it comes to confession and repentance, we have to, we are mindful of the hurt that we've inflicted on God and others and confession. We can apply this as well to just our, our regular relationships with anybody as well. You know, sin has a horrible reaction in that it feels like we can become distant and separated from God. And as well, when we hurt others, there is this rift and there is this conflict. Being mindful of knowing that we have hurt, but yet God as well loves us. And in confession and repentance, we acknowledge as well where we have hurt God and others. In order for a relationship to be, to grow and, and to thrive is to admit where we have been wrong. And real conviction, real repentance will move us into action. We see this in Zacchaeus, where he was living his life, and yet God comes in, in, into his life, and he realizes he cannot live the way that he was living. And he chooses to make a change in his life. When David was finally caught by one of the worst things that he could do. He, um, we all know the story of 
David and Bathsheba. In that story, David essentially sends Bathsheba's husband to the front lines to be killed. And he thought that he had covered up his tracks. But you can't run from God. And, and, and God sends a prophet to him. And when he finally realizes he, he, he's, he's been caught and he knows, he, he writes this beautiful Psalm, Psalm 51. When you have a chance, go ahead and read it. But one of the most impactful verses in this is verse 17, where it says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. When we come to the Lord, May we come with humility and as, as, as David writes, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. When we've done something wrong, when we've sinned or we've harmed and hurt somebody else or God, may we come with humility and ask for forgiveness and acknowledge as well where we have been wrong. And, and while we know God is, is faithful and just and forgiving, when it comes to a practical matter, when it comes to our relationships with our, our spouse, our, our family, our friends, our coworkers, I found that when we do, you know, we fall short, we mess up, when we come and immediately actually acknowledge those things, it's far easier and actually beneficial because people are way more understanding, I think, than we give them credit for, we're able to move and be able to repair the relationship. But when we, when we, what's the word? When we deny and we hold off and we push off and ignore, trust is broken. And it's so much harder to be able to gain that trust back. So what have we learned today? May we approach the throne of grace, Jesus, with humility. And unlike the Pharisee who tried to earn his salvation by basing it off his own merits because he thought he was the coolest Pharisee ever, he thought he was the man, he thought by his own merits he should have earned salvation. God desires that we have a humble heart and as as the, the the tax collector said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. May we approach the throne of grace. May we approach Jesus with humility. And where we have erred and where we have sinned, may we ask for forgiveness. And as well, in our, our daily lives, in our relationships, where we have hurt or we've wronged someone, may we go to them. May we apologize. And as we move forward, confident in the fact that God has loved us and desires to be with us and to save us. May you grow and be blessed and be led by God. Next week, Bill's going to talk about thankfulness. And so I hope and pray that as you discuss these, uh, these lessons, um, take time. If there are areas in your life where you need to make amends as well with others, take time. Maybe take a phone call. Uh, make a phone call, write a letter, whatever it may be, and that you may grow in the grace and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, thank you for all that you have done.
Lord, we are imperfect. We're sinners. And yet, Lord, you sent your son into this world to die that we might have life. Father, forgive us. Forgive us of our shortcomings. Forgive us of our attitudes. Forgive us of our thoughts that are not true to you or harsh and judgmental. Lord, for those of us as well who are struggling with guilt, help us, Lord, to see your love and grace. For those, Lord, who are challenged with relationships, we find that reconciliation will take place. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives and help us be faithful stewards for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.